Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Memory Lane. I'm your host, Noah Hiles, and joining us on this week's show is the second highest scoring stealer in franchise history. It is former black and gold kicker, Jeff Reed. Jeff, how are you today? Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for having me on the show. I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad to have you on here, Jeff. A very interesting career in life you have lived. I'm excited to get into it all. Um, let's talk about the beginning. Uh, I, doing some research here, you came from a pretty athletic family. Uh, dad played college basketball at Wichita State. Your mom was a cheerleader there. And your sister played professional soccer. Just wanted to touch real quick on your athletic background. Um, did you play football growing up or were you just, you know, a soccer player in other sports? Tell me about, you know, how you got into athletics. Well, I was born in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, lived in Olathe, Kansas, Pittsburgh, Kansas, uh, Pittsburgh with no H, Kansas, and uh, Moore, Oklahoma, which is not far from where the University of Oklahoma University is, where the Sooners play. Uh, you know, and, and I, we, like you said, it's definitely a family of sports. Um, that's how my parents got married at Wichita State at 21 years old. So they're, they're, they're pushing, uh, you know, they're pushing 50 years of marriage. So, um you know, and so, yeah, the athletic part of the family is there. Um, but, you know, never in, a, never in any case would I have thought I'd be a field goal kicker because um, that wasn't in the family. Uh, but, you know, I started soccer when I was five. My true love was soccer. Ended up playing 15 years. Um, the family moved to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where I, where I reside now, uh, when I was 10. Uh, so that would probably have been 1989. I think I did that math right. Um, so 31 years here. Uh, my sister moved to Pittsburgh when I was playing there, and she still uh, resides in Pittsburgh. Um, uh, you know, so she, uh, she, uh, you know, she has a job there. She has friends there. Um, she has never left uh, the Steel City, even after her brother was, uh, you know, released down the road. And so, so we still have a lot of ties. That's the second. That's a home away from home. So, but, you know, I, I started soccer when I was five, played 15 years, um, was asked from the fifth grade on to kick field goals and extra points and kickoffs. And, and I said, hell no, you know, I'm not, I see, I, I, my, I got my friends, a quarterback, my other friends, a star linebacker. These dudes are nuts. Um, I mean, they love the game. I loved watching them play, but you know, they were, I, back then as kids, you laugh if you get knocked out or something, um, you don't realize down the road when you get older, how much it can really affect your health. And, uh, and obviously you see where we are in the world today how much uh, mental health is uh, constantly talked about. And that's true. But, you know, so uh, I had no desire to get hit like that. And I know I wasn't going to be out there on offense and defense, uh, but still you're fair game. You kick off, you don't hit a touchback in high school. Um, that returner can return it, obviously. And then you were fair game to get lit up. And I was, a, I'm a, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big dude. I wasn't as big then, but uh, well, I had way less muscle then, probably chubbier. And, and, I, you know, I had no desire to get hit. I was like, heck no, man. So, you know, after my 11th grade year in high school, um, my father came up to me and said, uh, I, you, you've done everything we've asked you to do as parents, as, as our family. Uh, you do great on the soccer field. You do great in school. Uh, I know you're going to college. I know you know what you want to major in already, which is awesome because your, your mom and I didn't have a clue and blah, blah, blah. So all that stuff was cool, but he was like – I'm only saying this because if you want to try football, this is pretty much your last shot. And going into my senior year, I'm like, well, my dad said it. So I don't know if he, cause he used to coach some football, but you know, most coaches, nothing against coaches out there, unless you have kicked or punted, you don't know, you don't really know how to help a kicker or punter. 
Um, you just assume you know. Oh, it, it, you compare it to golf. Compare it to this. No. Well, I suck at golf, and I was pretty good at kicking. So, so there, there's there's your there's your comparison. Um, but the one thing I will say is, uh, he was out there on that field twice, two three two three times a week in the summer um, after that eleventh grade year. My mom was the one, you know, trying to find the footballs and the bushes and the trees, and you know, usually doing all. She's doing the dirty work. She's supposed to be the one cheering me on like she always was and we were doing dirty work but she was helping out and I would kick it really far just not really straight and you know when it comes to accuracy I mean when it comes to field goals you got to be accurate you can kick the ball 75 yards but if you can't kick it straight what's the point um you know so and you can see that in today's game not just NFL but college there's some really this I mean I don't dog too many people there's some really bad kickers you know at really big universities and you know it's because they're so enamored with a 75 yard kickoff that they can't make a 31 yard game winner. So, um, or an extra point, you know, whatever it may be, but, you know, so I, <clears throat> I went out there with them and I, I went to a camp before my senior year and I worked at that camp. Actually I was a counselor. I mean, a camper until, uh, my junior, my junior year in college, uh, believe it or not, most of the guys are younger, but I started so late. I needed more instruction. You can't ever get enough, uh, coaching on fundamentals. And that goes for life too, in any sport. And, uh, so I, I went out there uh, to that camp and learned some things. I didn't comprehend everything, but I wanted to take away a handful of things, and I did. So I played, and uh, went uh, my senior year in high school, I went nine for 11, which was uh, top in the state because you didn't attempt too many field goals mm-hmm. back in 1997. Um, you had a bunch of people going from fourth down all over the field or their quarterback was punting or whatever it may be. Totally different than the game now. But, um, you know, I was nine for 11, made a 54-yarder. Uh, 90% of my kickoffs were through the end zone. Um, you know, so I kind of opened some eyes. Um, but then again, I still had so much to learn. Uh, so I didn't get, I didn't get scholarship offers, maybe a couple smaller schools. Um, but I had my sights set on going to Chapel Hill, um, because of journalism and mass, mass communication. And, uh, because ultimately whether football worked out or not, as much as I wanted to play a sport in college, I knew that, a uh, degree is is where I, what I needed, so I I uh, ended up walking on. Uh, Mac Brown was the coach then before he left for Texas, so I got to. Well, I didn't play under Mac. I was on the team under Mac. Um, then he went to Texas, so um, that's that's where the whole. I mean, I played a little basketball. I could shoot the lights out, but I couldn't. You know, my handles were pretty slow, and uh, so I didn't dribble too much. I either was wide open and shot, or I would. Uh, I played great defense. I'd run up and down the court for sure, but. You know, everybody needs a hard worker, but I probably wasn't the best athlete on that basketball court, so I had to give that up. Um, except for with my friends, I still talk a little smack, but that's that's about all I got basketball. But uh, you, you know, that's where that's where it all started. Um, I tried any and every sport. Shoot, even after football, my career was over. I went and played co-ed kickball, very competitive here at the lake, at Lake Norman, and out right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of things that that um, that. I mean, at 41, obviously I'm not old, um, but there's so many past injuries and certain things that have happened since my playing days or happened during my playing days that are worse now that, you know, you can't play the game forever. And unfortunately, because I'm a competitor and I was a little bit greedy, I was really disappointed I never got another shot because I thought I had three to five more years in me. Um, But ultimately, um, I played a game. I won Super Bowl championships and – I met a lot of great friends and great people through the sport of football. 
Jeff, as someone who's watched you since I was in like second grade, I think what you just did there was the most impressive performance I've ever seen. Uh, full disclosure to those listening, we had technical difficulties the first time we tried recording this. And Jeff just gave me the same exact answer on our first try. Um, and even better this time with a lot more detail. Well, so that was least, that, that hits into least, the journalism. Yeah, at least, you, at least you don't know I'm lying. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can't remember lies very well. I want to talk to you about this journalism stuff uh, as someone who also had an interest in journalism when he was in high school. And uh, um, what kind of journalism did you want to get into? Were you more into the print side of it or were you trying to call games on TV, on the radio? What, what was your dream if football didn't work out when you were younger? Uh, well, you know, I actually I majored in newspaper writing. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to do feature writing, magazine kind of things, because I like to go behind the scenes on somebody's life, where they came from, to see how see how, how far they've come to make it. And that that's that goes for every sport. That goes for every CEO, VP, president of company, whatever it may be. And that's what I wanted to do, but that wasn't an option. So, newspaper writing taught me so. so they, I mean, it was so tough. Um, it seems like who the hell can't write in a column, you know, 116 words, whatever it may be. Well, there was so much discipline in that because the class I actually took, that was the one that you had, you know, had to pass, obviously. Um, and I, you know, I ended up, I mean, I'm OCD. So, I mean, it, it, it wore me out. I mean, that, that whole semester was a mess. But you would literally, if you misspell someone's name or company or position or don't capitalize something or uh, that's of that importance, or if you're 10, 10 words over your word count, it's an automatic 50-point dedu deduction. So that's an automatic F. And so I didn't know that going into it. I just knew I was a great writer. That's it. I was great in math. I was great in Spanish. And I was a great writer. Um, those are my three things through my school. I had straight A's. I mean, I finished. I was number 10 in my class of 362 graduates. Um, I know people may say that because they look at my hair and my personality and may think I'm lying. But, you know, ultimately, that's, 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 those are facts, you know. I was the guy that brought home the perfect attendance award. I, if I was sick as a dog, my mom would say, you should probably stay home. I said, hell no, I'm going to school. Um, you know, and that's, I would love to have a kid someday because these kids now, well, outside of the virtual learning, because that would be extremely tough. These kids now, um, they can't wait to miss a day. And, and, you know, I don't like that attitude because you miss a day, you may miss a pop, pop quiz. You may miss a pop-up test. And then all of a sudden, now you're going from a C and you have to battle back to get that B, whatever it may be. But that was just kind of person and uh, student I was. So, you know, th there's, there's all kind of uh, things you can look at, but my actual major was newspaper writing, minor in communication. Um, and I was so glad, even though I, because what they made you do in that class, you didn't go and say, Oh, let's go interview so-and-so on his home run, uh, game winning home run, walk off, whatever it is. They say, well, they just lost to a team they shouldn't have lost to. Can you go interview the coach? I want to see what kind of questions you come up with. And, I mean, you're a student there interviewing a coach that is pissed off. And so that puts you in a situation where you can't walk on eggshells because you want to get an A, but you can't be opposite of that because the coach will never talk to you again. So that's why I was pretty good for the most part with reporters because I know what they're looking for. And – um you know, so I, I had fun with them for the most part. I mean, there's always a couple, um, but uh, you know, I, I this is what I this is what I do. It's what I still do. I don't. On the, on the flip side of that, when you're talking about broadcast journalism, uh, personality-wise, I'd love to be on TV. I've had TV shows. Uh, I, I used to be before uh, 
the pandemic hit, I was on a show every Monday night, at 10 o'clock here. And it was just funny topics, stupid topics, uh, and, and some sports, of course, some local stuff here in Charlotte. But uh, it wasn't it wasn't anything like where I'm critiquing everyone and going over stats. That's too boring to me. But I will tell you, as many I, I did try to get a job at the NFL Network probably five years or six years ago, um, because I think the fans need a perspective on TV of special teams. Um, I know it's not – it's a third of the game, no matter how you look at it. I don't care how good or bad your offense and defense are. Your special teams can win and lose your games. There's no doubt. And I think that perspective from someone that actually played the game or really knows what they're talking about, however you want to look at it, would be ideal for people listening and watching TV. I mean, all you see now and, – and they turned me down. Um, it wasn't – you know, they, they weren't rude or anything. They said, oh, we're not looking for that at the moment. It's not in our budget, which is fine. But it's the NFL Network, so I kind of didn't believe that. But at the same time, yeah, I think they're doing okay. But at the same time, you know, it's just kind of things. To me, they don't see special teams as that important to pay somebody to talk about. And all you ever see on TV, you'll see Jay Feely um, every once in a while talk about, oh, the kicker said, both kickers said they can kick from 55. Well, that really doesn't get into mechanics, fundamentals, the mental part of kicking. Um instead of all these coaches trying to do these crazy schemes on kickoff coverage, just find the ball and stay in, stay in the, the, the position on the field you're supposed to stay in and, and, and work your ass off and you'll make plays. That's how, that's how simple special teams can be. But, you know, and, but if you have someone talking about that while you're watching a game, not all the time, just break in here and there, and it doesn't need to be a $200,000 a year gig, I mean, it, and, it's, and it's not because I was a kicker. It's just because I didn't know some of this stuff until I lived it. So I know people watching, they're going to be like, oh, God, he missed a kick. He picked his head up. Well, there might be more to that. Maybe I can dig on what happened. And, you know, just little things like that. So, and I don't know the X's and O's good enough to, to fully uh, commentate a football game. I really don't. I'll be honest. And that's not my interest. My interest is special teams, which is a third of the game. And – if there is ever an opportunity to do that, um, then I will absolutely uh, jump on it because I think it's very important. Jeff, I have like a whole long list of questions to ask you, but I have a whole bunch of follow-ups from that answer that you just gave. Um, my first one was, you talked about interviewing coaches when you were a student. Did you ever interview Dean Smith when you were there? No, I had, I had the baseball. Uh, I was okay. with the baseball team. Um, so they kind of give you um, – they kind of give you – your, I don't know what I'm, what I'm trying to say. The, your individual. The genre, the area. Yeah, yeah the beat. The beat, that's what I'm yeah. looking for. Yeah, mm -hmm. they give you your beat, and, they, and, and it could be off-season, and you can get some more positive stories, but they always wanted to put you in a situation to see how you would come out of it. Okay. Um, so it wasn't, hell, if I go there and I, my, 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 one of my own friends hit a walk-off grand slam, I mean, I could, I could make up answers and make it a great article, but see, they don't want that. Mm -hmm. They want – they want you to dig, dig, and dig and see how you can earn your grade. And on top of that, you're spelling University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, right? Not just University of North Carolina. And then, you know, the coaches' names, the players' names. So I did not um, – I did get a chance to meet him, but I did not I, – I don't, I don't know Dean Smith, and I did not get a chance to interview him. Okay. I was just wondering because uh, you talked about interviewing coaches. That would have been really interesting. Um, and then another thing I wanted to hit on on that uh, long answer that you gave, you talked about – 
commentating with special teams in the broadcast. Uh, ESPN just tried that a couple years ago with Pat McAfee, uh, where they brought him into the booth for college football broadcasts. Um, they're, they're using him now as like an analyst, like he's making appearances on game day and, uh, yeah. call and other shows like that. What, what did you think of that strategy and how do you think he did? Uh, Pat's a friend of mine. Um, I, he has done awesome for himself. I mean, he's in WWE. He's yeah. doing, you know, all that stuff started with his connection with Barstool Sports. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and he's, he's, he's a comedian. He's funny as hell. He's very witty. Um, I mean, a lot of people say I should be a comedian, but I don't know if I can get on stage and seriously make, you know, make jokes constantly. I, if I'm in a certain situation, I can make you laugh all day. But, um, but you know, he's, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I thought he was great. I mean, at least no matter who's playing, you want to listen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the biggest thing about a commentator. Like, there's certain people, and I won't say any names because I'm not going to hate on them, but in the NFL world that if they're commentating the game, I would rather have it on mute. You know, just because, you know, watch the games, but then you don't really know what's going on. If it's on mute, you'd have to wait for every single, you know, unless you're, you know, unless you're reading the words at the bottom, you know. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, I wouldn't do that. But there's, I mean, there's just some people that are so blah and monotone, it's terrible. But Pat is on game day exactly where he belongs. He has his own show exactly where he belongs. And, you know, the stuff he's done. And, I mean, he's even done done some wrestling stuff, doing some super athletic stuff with WWE. Good for him. You know, I'd probably get hurt. But, uh, you know, I think it, I think it was well, it went well, but I guess, I guess they had a different plan. And because he didn't talk a whole lot, special teams, he was, he did it all, mm-hmm. which was really impressive because as much as, I mean, I don't know what position he played in high school and stuff. He may have, may have played quarterback or something. You never know. So maybe he knows the game a little better than me, but I mean, I can sit here and read certain things on when I'm watching TV, but to have me full blown uh, commentary on a football game, you know, it, it would be funny and entertaining. Um, but I don't think that's what the uh, company would be looking for. Yeah, that's what basically what you described. It was interesting because I'm a broadcast nerd. You know, I, I I love doing the written stuff. I love doing these long form interviews. Uh, but I also like the play by play dynamic of the broadcast and everything like that. And I thought that he provided a very interesting element, and it's exactly what you described. So I'm I'm glad someone else sees it like I do. Uh, yeah, I guess sure. I see it probably like you do because you have a little bit more expertise there. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, your, your brothers in the special teams game, uh, as we get into your NFL career here, I read a story uh, about how Josh Miller, your former teammate, kind of helped you get picked by the Steelers. You were one of four people who were a part of a team tryout. He said that you look like the coolest guy to hang out with out of the four people trying yeah. out. And he, he put in a strong pitch for you. He even took the blame on a couple of kicks you missed. Is this all true? Can you tell your side of this? Well, I certainly wouldn't blame him for any kick I missed. Uh, I'll tell you, I came from Pittsburgh was my 10th tryout in seven weeks. Um, excuse me, my seventh tryout in 10 weeks after the Saints released me in 2002. So I had been to the warmest places and sweating my butt off. And I, and then I get to Pittsburgh in November. And uh, you know how Hinesfield used to be. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's windy, but it's windy a lot of places. You can't blame the wind for everything. Uh, yes, it gets cold, but it gets cold a lot of places. Um, but coming from North Carolina, because obviously that's where I was, I was working on a farm actually. And just to make a check because my parents had supported me through college and I was a walk-on, you know, I did earn a scholarship my fourth year, but that didn't pay back everything. You know, I still had the loans. And so I wanted to do something that I could, you know, at least buy my meals and, 
you know, pay my cell phone or something. Uh, so I was on the farm, you know, and then they called me and I'm like, oh, the Steelers, this is interesting. And, you know, they, I get there. We're on Hinesfield, obviously. Uh, it was the high school uprights because I guess the high schools were about to play there. Um, so that was interesting in itself. Um, it was sleeting. It was, I don't know, high 20s, very windy. And I just came out of 65 and sunny. And not that North Carolina is always 65 and sunny in November, but, you know, I mean, shoot outside the day at 60 degrees. So, but, you know, so I, uh, it was very different for me. And there were, uh, one, there was one rookie, uh, Joe O'Donnell, and then there were two uh, veterans. And then Josh and uh, Mike Schneck were a snapper and a, hold, a holder. And, you know, it was, it was very slick. Uh, I had, I didn't have the right shoes. I had no idea what I was getting into. I just heard, Hinesfield's a kicker's nightmare. And I'm like, okay, well, then if you know that going into it, then you'll probably be fine. You know, so, and we, uh, we all kick very average. Um, and I tell this story all the time because people are like, you must have crushed him in the workout. And I said, absolutely not. I mean, Kevin Colbert, Coach Cower, the Roonies, special teams coach, uh, even some other coaches were out there. I mean, just – you know, because they kind of knew. You know, it, it was it was um, it was real muddy. It was uh it was very very tough weather to kick in, um, even with all your footing. And uh, you know, I just I was just kind of like, man, this is crazy. You know, <laughs> this is this is where the Pittsburgh Steelers play. And uh, you know, so when when you come to think about it, it was uh everybody was average. I hit the longest field goal, but I missed the thirty yarder. Um, so you know, weigh your options. Um. Chris Brown was awesome at Three Rivers, and in the first year Heinz Field was open, he, he was 60%. Uh, so he went to the Texans, you know, expansion team, and did awesome. Uh, Todd Peterson was the guy I replaced. I know he had a rib injury, but crazy enough, we had the same agent. And I know he was 12 for 22 when I got there. So I was like – because, you know, I'm used, to, I'm used to, you know, if you're not 80%, then you don't have a job. I mean, that's even – that's what I was used to even in college. I thought I would get – pulled out of a game if I miss one, you know, college is way different than getting paid to do a job in the pros. But so anyway, um, I really think everyone was moaning and complaining and slipping and sliding and falling under kicks. And, you know, I was just kind of giggling under my breath. I wasn't laughing out loud or anything because it was just like, how in the hell did these guys expect us to make these field goals today? Kind of an attitude, but I didn't say a negative thing. I just went to the next kick. Um, Josh was great personality, as you know now, but I didn't know then. Uh, great personality. He kept me, uh, you know, he kept me grounded and, and kept me, like, focused. Um, and I didn't talk to Schneck uh, at the time because he was snapping. I didn't have time to talk to him. So, But, you know, I, had, I have a little bit of a different uh, swag, too. You know, most kickers are weirdos that stand in the corner. Um, I'm the kind of guy that's got my pants sagged. And, uh, you know, personality, like I look at my hair, you know, I was like, I was going to fix my hair for this, but eh, I kind of like the headband today. Patriotic, you know, red, white, and blue, but you know, it, it's just, that's just me. You know, it, it's, you never know what you're going to get, but most of the time it's going to be a positive thing. So anyway, so I really think I won that tryout. Um, I mean, Josh may have, uh, vouched for me. Um, he said he did afterwards when I signed with the team, but, I mean, obviously, I don't know what they tell the coaches, um, you know, because you all four of us kind of got transported to the South Side facility. We all ate lunch and then uh, one at a time went upstairs and talked to um, Kevin Colbert and Coach Cower. So, 
and I was the last one to go up there and, um, you know, they signed me and, uh, and I, you know, everyone came down and they said, good luck. And I didn't really know. It didn't really hit me. I mean, I signed a big piece of paper with a lot of numbers on it and I didn't read all the fine print. And I'm just like, man, am I really going to play in the NFL at least one day? Uh, so that was cool. But I think they signed me because of character. I don't think they signed me because I outkicked everybody. I think they saw the fact that I was having fun no matter what. Um, they knew it was tough. They knew they were tough conditions. They knew what had been there the first one and a half years. And they're trying to find a guy that can look past that and succeed. And um, thank goodness they gave me an opportunity because it's, it's cool having records and all that stuff. But, you know, you play the game to win. And um, uh, this year's Steelers are a good example of that. You can talk about their, you know, their weakness of schedule. But, you know, to be 10-0 is not easy anywhere. I don't care because, I mean, you got injuries. Uh, you got you have an off game here and there. It happens. Uh, but, you know, they're still 10-0, you know, because they play together. They don't have anyone strictly out there for their own stats or their own, uh, you know, that you don't hear them getting interviewed and dogging each other and pointing fingers. You know, they're having fun. And that's the best way to succeed. And so, you know, I was uh, fortunate enough because I tried out for a lot of teams uh, to wear the black and gold because you know when you're there, uh, you have a good chance to win every year. You talked about playing together. Um, how important is it for specialists to have a good relationship? Uh, in college, I was in a fraternity, and one of my fraternity brothers was a long snapper uh, for the football team, and he was always hanging out with the kickers and the punters and everything. And I guess part of it is you're all standing together and practice and working together a lot, but uh, how important is the, to have like a gelled relationship with the guy who's holding your kicks, with the guy who's snapping the ball to you? It's huge, you know, and even when you get to the pro level, um, I, and I learned, I learned this at the pro level, believe it or not, because you got to understand, I played one year of high school. I played five years of college. I was in college four and a half years, but I only played a year and a half. So that's two and a half years of playing time before I got to the NFL. So I was learning like big time learning. Um, a lot of things. I'm learning new coaches. I'm learning what certain guys are going to do and say. When I got to the pro level, there's actually a way, a good holder and snapper, where you can always catch the ball. I mean, every once in a while, the snapper's not going to be perfect. That's all right. But you can, ca- you can catch it on a certain amount of rotations, and the laces are always out. Who the hell would ever know that? So then you don't have to turn the ball. The kicker gets to see it, and the, you're saving time constantly. And, uh, you know, so – I mean, that itself, I mean, I, every single one of my teammates I got along with and had a great time with. Uh, some, some were strictly to their families, which is fine. And, and even some of the family guys, you know, we would take young, young dudes like me straight out of college out to dinner, um, you know, buy me a drink or two and have a good time. That's why we won. But, and it, but, you know, you're always with your punter as a kicker, your punter and your snapper most often. Um, sometimes a snapper have to do, has to do certain things throughout practice that we don't have to do. Um, but uh, it, it's huge because, you know, when you're, when you're bond with somebody like that, just like the center and the quarterback, um, when, you bond, you, when you bond with somebody like that, uh, you, you could, it, there's a trust issue. And the trust issue is a great thing. Um, you know, if, if you're like button heads or he's an arrogant dude, I'm not hanging out with him. No matter what, you didn't choose to be teammates, your teammates. So if you, uh, if you bond with those, those people, they'll lay it on the line for you on game day, and that's what you need. So let's talk about your, uh, some specifics from your times with, uh, time with the Steelers here. Um, 
2002, your first season, your first playoff game as a, as a Pittsburgh Steeler was an all-time classic. It was a win against the Browns, the comeback win at Heinz Field. Uh, take me through your first experience in the postseason as a Steeler at Heinz Field. I mean, it's a new stadium. It's against a rival, a comeback win in the elements. What was that like for you? It was crazy, man. Uh, that atmosphere is uh, something special. It doesn't matter. I mean, preseason is probably the quietest you'll ever see Heinz Field. It's probably louder now with the 7,500 fans and then yeah. preseason. Uh, but, you know, it, it's just when you run out of that tunnel, and uh, this year is actually 20 of uh, Heinz Field's 20th anniversary. And um, I just did a video for the Steelers a couple days ago that they're going to – I think they're going to use it, the Washington game maybe. I don't know. But anyway uh, – you know, if, if when you run out of that tunnel, um, you instantly know that you have however many thousand people got your back. You may see a handful of different colored jerseys in, that, in those stands, but you pretty much see black and gold, crazy faces painted, and people have your name on their chest. And uh, I mean, people are nuts, um, it, but in a good way. So when you run out of that tunnel in the regular season, it's like that. You run out in that tunnel in the playoffs, it's do or die. And so it, you can feel the energy, uh, literally feel it. And as a kicker, you have to calm down. You can't go headbutt lockers and tackle your teammates before the game. You kind of got to get out the way. And uh, so it was, it was all, I mean, considering uh, back then, we, we've never, I mean, of course, that was my first year. So what would I know? But I was told, oh, we never lose to the Browns. I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's good. At least we're going to win this first one. And, you know. I mean, that's it. That's all I was thinking is we're going to find a way to win this. But when we saw that score and, and you know, before I think it was a uh, honeycut um, dropped that ball, I think it was him. Uh, before that happened, I mean, it was over, man. They, they, they were about to seal the deal. And so you talk about going from, I can't believe we're losing first round to these, to these guys to foo scoring that touchdown and everyone going nuts I mean, dude, that that was like almost like a heart attack because it's such a huge sudden change of uh, energy. Uh, but, you know, the atmosphere there in the playoffs is even more energy. But, you know, in general, those fans, as you know, it's been sold out for however many years straight. It ain't going to change. Uh, so it just, just playing there is uh, you know that not only your 60 teammates um, out there on the field with you, um, have your back and these coaches in the in the organization, but you have sixty plus thousand people too, and uh, it's a hell of a feeling, you know. Because when you go on the road, you got about twenty thousand of whatever uh, road stadium you're in to have your back too. So the next year, two thousand three, a rare losing season. Uh, it's their last losing season still to date, and then that following off season, the franchise drafts a guy named Ben Roethlisberger. You, you have a front row seat to watch him take over the team in 2004. What was it like just watching him come into action and really put his stamp on the league? Well, we knew from uh, watching in practice that, I mean, the guy's talented. I mean, they, they didn't, they didn't uh, draft the guy to have him hold a clipboard. Um, Tommy Maddox was awesome. Cordell was awesome. Those guys are great. Uh, Tommy was my holder. So, um, you know, it's, you know, he, and he was one of the best holders I've ever had in my life. It was just tough because I didn't get as much work with him because he's a star quarterback. Mm -hmm. um, but when Ben came in there, there was, I mean, 
super athletic guy that is, you know, he always knows his whereabouts. I mean, and he's still like that. I mean, I, I know that he's obviously he's older, so he's not as fast and everybody gives him hell about that stuff. But, you know, nobody, you know, 17 years later is the same speed. I don't care what kind of training you do or if you've never been hurt. That's just life. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, his awareness, um, I mean, you'll see guys about to blindside him and he ducks out of the way or makes a sudden movement and then makes a 50-yard touchdown pass. I mean, but he was doing that stuff daily. I mean, did he make mistakes? Heck yeah, man, because we had the top defense that was messing with him. Um, but at the same time, we knew the potential was there. And so, you know, I, you know, what was it, 2004, I think it was, or we were, what, 15-1. and one. Mm-hmm. And uh, – you know, and then we and then we won nothing. You know, so uh, we didn't even win the AFC championship. Uh, so, uh, but but he was he was awesome. He's still awesome, as you can see. Uh, you know, but we but you you know, I mean, you just it's like my uh, Tua in Miami, and and the young kid in uh, Los Angeles with the Chargers. You know, they're going to play. You just don't know when. Yeah. And uh, because they drafted him for a reason, they didn't draft him to hold a clipboard. Um, some guys get drafted and they may or may not get a chance late rounds. Uh, but you see guys like this in the first round. They're going to play and they're going to make an impact. So you, you, you said you didn't win anything in 2004 in the postseason. And you didn't. You lost in the FC Championship. Uh, but one of my favorite memories as a young Steeler fan was actually the one playoff game you guys did win. It was against the Jets. And I want to talk to you about that one because I remember, I think, was it Nick Folk who was the kicker for the Jets in that game? It was uh, Doug Bryan. Okay. And he he missed a couple of really big kicks. And you, on the other hand, you didn't. You, you, made the, you made the kicks that you needed to make to win. In a game like that where, you know, there's a lot of pressure, the elements are playing a factor, it's the postseason, and your opposition is missing kicks, how do you stay mentally focused and confident saying, well, I, I can do this, even though he's struggling? Well, you know, I think we had the wrong attitude in that game because we were 15-1. and one. Um, We were on a super high. Of course, we had the bye week. And then I think the Jets upset somebody. And it may have been the Chargers. Uh, anyway, so we're like, we're going to – we honestly thought, oh, yeah, we have to show up, but we're just going to stomp these dudes. And, that, and, and there was a good chance we lost that game after, um, you know, he, he missed a, he missed a couple uh, – three kicks, I believe. Mm-hmm. Two in two in the reg and uh, in regular time and one in overtime and uh, you know I hit the thirty three yarder uh, but you know it's just it's it's not I mean of course I'm not cheering for him I, I hate when kickers miss big kicks but if you're playing against them it's okay because it gives you an opportunity to win but it's not that I'm cheering against them it's just the fact that I know that if I get an opportunity I have to come through um, that's it I mean there's there is no you know, my biggest thing was a pressure kick. I, I enjoyed them. I appreciated the people that tried to ice me because it gave me an opportunity to get a nice little spot out there on the field. Um, you know, it wasn't messing with my head. I mean, you heard a couple of comments from the opposing players. that was kind of, kind of funny. But other than that, I mean, it, you know, it's not like all of a sudden, oh, I'm freezing, I'm iced. Yeah, no. I mean, if, if, you, if you get away from everyone, you kind of go in, your, in la-la land in the middle of the field by yourself, when the ref blows a whistle, you go take your steps, you make the kicks. I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. Is it easy? Hell no, it's not. Was I nervous? Of course. Who, who, if you don't get nervous, you don't have a pulse. You know, that's just, that's, that's life. Um, but, 
you know, it, it's that was uh, that kick was it was probably I'll never forget it. I mean, I don't think any Steeler fan will ever forget it. But the reason I won't forget it, even though I kicked it, we got in a locker room and I got bombarded. And then after I got bombarded, I finally finally went to my locker as my heart was pounding and Jerome Bettis jumped in my arms. And, um, you know, obviously he's a Hall of Famer. Obviously he's one of the faces of the Steelers and always will be. Um, but, you know, when, when, when you know you did your job well enough to have that happen, I mean, it's a hell of a feeling, man. And, uh, you know, you can, you can put all the BS and nonsense aside because um, we, were, we were out there and truly fighting for each other. I mean, I can't – I'm not going to make – I'm not going to go sack the quarterback and I'm not going to, you know, you know, you know, strip fumble and all these, you know, all these guys. But not all of them can kick either. So we all have a role, and when you play it as best you can, you're usually victorious. And um, that was that was one of the coolest. I'm glad you mentioned it. That was one of the coolest memories of Heinz Field for me. We're gonna get right back to my conversation with Jeff Reed, but first, a word from our sponsors. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. The next year, one of the most legendary Super Bowl runs in the history of the game. You talked about the bus. You send him home the right way. He goes to Detroit. You win the Super Bowl. At what point during that run? I know at one point in time, I think you guys were, I think, 7-5. and five, And you yeah. really had to win out to make the playoffs the way the AFC was looking that year. Three teams in the AFC North, I think, made the postseason. Um, what – at what point during that run did you really believe that, holy cow, we can, we can win this whole thing? Well, it kind of started with that, uh, you know, Chicago game at home in the snow. Um, yeah. You know, uh, every, everybody always shows Jerome running over Erlocker. Um, that's, that was a huge turning point in our season. I mean, we talked about it uh, in practice, uh, not that, because um, we didn't know it was going to happen. But we talked about – all we need to do is win this game. Then we'll worry about everything else. If you look at the playoff picture and watch too much TV, you're going to psych yourself out. Um, basically because nobody was giving us a chance. And, uh, you know, and the, when that, I mean, cause we weren't supposed to beat Chicago. Um, they, I mean, they were, they were actually very, very good. And their defense was right there with ours. I don't know if they were one or who we were one or what it was, but we were all both top five. And, you know, so, Going out there in that play itself, you know, define that game and our attitudes. Um, then we never looked back. I mean, and then sneaking in as a six seed, I remember those shirts uh, that said six seed on it. I'll always have mine. I don't know if it fits as good anymore, but uh, I'll always have mine. And that, that run was uh, crazy. We go to Cincinnati, uh, then we go to Indy, um, and, you know, they, I think they were about 15 and one, 14 and two, mm-hmm. and they were blowing everybody out. And nobody gave us a chance. And, 
beat them. Then we go to Denver and handle them. And then we win the Super Bowl. So uh, that was a – and then the coolest thing about the Super Bowl is obviously Jerome's family's from Detroit. And um, outside of the actual game, because obviously that's why you're there, um, his mother hosted the entire team and all the coaching staff and all the trainers and all the people in the upper office um, hosted everyone in her house and uh, would not let us stop eating, um, which was kind of scary because you'd be full and then here comes another plate. And you couldn't waste uh, Jerome's mom's meal or you would not hear the end of it. So that was the coolest thing, being in Jerome's mom's house and her feeding probably 100 people, I would have to say, if not more. Um, that was really cool. And that was, that was a few days before the game so we could all digest a little better. That is, that is cool. I remember hearing about that when – you know, I was younger and everything, but it's cool to hear someone's perspective on it who was actually there. Um, so you guys, you, you win the one for the thumb, as they called it back then. Uh, a few years later, a, a big moment in Steelers history occurs. Coach Tomlin retires, or, or Coach Cower retires. Coach Tomlin is hired. What was that transition like? I mean, both of those guys are known as players, coaches. Um, both of them obviously are, I mean, one's in the Hall of Fame, one will be in the Hall of Fame. Um, what was that culture shift like? Uh, well, you know, Coach Cowher's old school. And, um, you know, he uh, he's the one that gave me personally my initial chance. Um, so it was tough to see that, but his wife was battling her health uh, issues and uh, he needed some real, he needed some family time. I mean, he really did. Um, and I don't blame him for that because um, he left he left a mark that'll never be overlooked in Pittsburgh history and NFL history, really. Um, so we were used to a certain way. Uh, Coach Tom was a great guy, super young. I mean, th- he and James Ferrier played against each other in college. Um, and James, he was coaching James, crazy enough. Uh, very successful coach, very successful coordinator and defensive backs coach and everything. And, uh, you know, we, we all thought personally as players, uh, we thought it was going to be Russ Grimm or uh, Bruce Arians um, because that's what we just thought. And, you know, the Rooneys did their thing and, um, you know, hired Mike Tomlin. And uh, turned it turned it's obviously turned out great. Um, but, you know, when he came in, first-time head coach, you know, he's trying to put his foot down and, we were so used to Cowher style that it was a little bit, um, I mean, we were, I mean, as long as we did what we were supposed to do in practice and in, on, the, on the field on Sundays or Mondays, Coach Cowher left us alone. Just work hard. That's all I can ask of you. Do your best. Now, if you're over there BSing, yeah, he'll, you know, he'll light you up a little bit. But, but we had, uh, you know, Tomlin came in. Uh, we, we were wearing full pads way too often. Not, not that it matters for me personally, but the other guys. Um, and you know, they were hitting too much in uh, practice halfway through the year. And though, I mean, I, I just heard the rumbles, you know, I didn't, I wasn't in the middle of that. I was just listening to what the guys were saying. And we, by the time we got to the playoffs to play Jacksonville and we lost at home, um, I mean, the guys were worn out and, but I mean, if you come into a, a hard nosed town, a blue collar town, a, ta- a team that has won at the time five Super Bowls. I mean, you kind of bring a different attitude than coming from Tampa. I mean, because you're just. I mean, I know he did. I think he did win one there uh, with uh, Gruden, but it's just it's just a different feel. And you're you're going somewhere that you know is going to be successful. And now you're the head guy, so it better be. 
from a place that should be pretty good because they had their Warren Saps and all those guys. But, you know, he uh, – so, but comparing them, I mean, they had, they had totally different styles, but both great people, both fun to play for. And, uh, you know, he, he's – in the one thing about his interviews, he says – he knows how to – he knows how to do an interview. I mean, he, uh, he doesn't – he doesn't give up too much information, and he pretty much – and he says what the reporters don't want to hear because they have nothing else to say to him. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's pretty, that's pretty commendable because some of these coaches, um, which, cause when you talk to reporters, as you know, um, some of the, you can ask the wrong question and lose your mind. So, but no, he, they're both great. Uh, they have their different styles. Um, both were more defensive guys. Um, but, uh, ultimately they had people in positions to be successful. That's why they both won a Super Bowl. So Super Bowl 43, uh, there's less than two minutes le- or just over two minutes left. Steelers get the ball. They need, uh, they're down by three. It's 23, 20 Arizona. They're starting inside their own 10. Are you kind of thinking, Hey, a touchdown would be nice because we'd probably win the Super Bowl, but a, a last second field goal to tie it and then send it to overtime. And then you could be the Super Bowl hero. Maybe are you thinking about that at all? Or are you just rooting for a touchdown? Uh, well, you're, you're rooting to get ahead however you can. Yeah. Um, Obviously, it's less pressure for me if we go ahead and score. Then I can make the extra point and go kick off, and our defense will show up. Yeah, but that's ideal. You know, why would it be that? Why wouldn't we make it interesting, right? So I'm assuming I'm going to have a long kick. And, well, what what most people don't realize, because it was not on their injury report, is I played that game with a partially torn hamstring in my kicking leg. So I was in the, in the trainer knew, and uh, they took care of it accordingly. I mean, I couldn't walk two days before the game. And, but I was like, it's the Super Bowl. So it's either we're, I'm going to kick well and we're going to win. Or during one of my kicks, my leg may fly off and that'll always be on the highlight reel. Uh, you know, Cause I mean, it was, I was in a ton of pain, but it's a Super Bowl. So unless, unless you absolutely can't walk or you have, you know, a severe injury, you play. And uh, so we got to a point where it was going to be a 50 yard field goal. It was third down. And um, I was more than ready. It was a perfect day there. Um, it would have been awesome to make that and win the game that way. Um, but they didn't need me. Um, our offense was awesome. They, they, they always have been. Everybody makes mistakes, but ultimately they, they made some huge plays. And then obviously, you know, how it ended with San Antonio sneaking his feet in the back. I, I don't, that pass to me when I still watch it is unreal. And that catch is even more unreal um, because he was not open. And, you know, that's just, that's just one of those things that that's why there's players are playing at that level. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he, not only was he not open, he had triple coverage and he caught it. And he got his feet in. So, and, and the offensive line, of course, the running backs, they all did their jobs. But, you, you know, so that was, that was, I guess, an easy way out for me, even though the extra point was huge because it made it four points. And, uh, and then, you know, I had to even, you know, nobody cared that I had a partially torn hamstring in my kicking leg go out there and kick a damn touchback. Well, I hit it about to the goal line and we tackled them pretty well. And even, but you know, if I don't make that extra point, they have a chance for a long field goal at the end because mm-hmm. they were on the 50 yard line before Woodley uh, uh, strip sacked uh, Curtin. So, you know, so those are the little things that you don't look at. Uh, well, you do well, if they happen, but those are the things that like, if I don't, if I go out there and, you know, I'm nursing my leg, and I'm, who cares we scored a touchdown. That doesn't mean it's over because they had a strong kicker in Neil Rackers, and he could make a 55, 60-yard field goal. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, just hearing it from your perspective is interesting, you know, cause like there's, there are some guys who want nothing to do with that moment. There are some guys who are only thinking about themselves, but it's, it's interesting. And then you bring up the extra point and the kickoff and everything all, uh, all, all pretty good stuff. Very interesting points. Um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about uh, when you were in Pittsburgh, uh, and if, if you don't want to get into this, we don't have to, but there, the, you did have a couple of uh, run-ins with the law, nothing major. Uh, just the one, the most notable one is the, the Sheets incident. Um, did that make your job harder after that happened? Just because it, it's, it's easy to pile on a guy when they make a mistake, you know, and, and a lot of athletes make a lot of mistakes uh, worse than what you what happened at sheets, but did that make your job harder after that incident? Uh, no, I just, uh, I don't think so. Um, because ultimately I still have the chance to kick a football and it doesn't matter what happened there. Um, I can tell my version of the story, but it's really, it doesn't matter. Everyone's formed their own opinions. I still hear about paper towel dispensers to this day, you know, uh, over 10 years later. So I guess that's never going to go away, but I guess you're, at least I'm remembered somehow. Um, but you know, the crazy things about both times, um, that I got supposedly in trouble, even though I was never arrested on either one, um, as I was with my dad. Uh, so if you're going to do something really that stupid, you're probably not going to be with your parents. Um, you know, so you can look at it from all kind of different views. Um, I know what happened there. Um, I know it was a police officer that wanted to make a name for himself. Um, he told me this is the dumbest thing I've ever been called, uh, called for you're going to have to pay reparations because if he broke off the paper towel dispenser and here's the citation and it's not going to make the news. And at 6 a.m. the next day, it's national news. Um, you know, so that's how that goes though. You have to, unfortunately you, you're allowed to be human, but you got to be careful being human, you know? And I wasn't hammered up like everybody assumes. I was with my father. Uh, and there, we did have a driver. It was to an autograph signing. It was a little bit down the road from there, about 30 minutes or so. And, you know, but nobody cares about that. All they care about is, you know, what happened. But to answer your question is uh, it didn't make it harder. It was just everyone's only focus uh, was, was about that instead of what I did the previous week, how am I feeling, um, what I'm about to do in a couple of days. They're interviewing me about an incident nonstop, um, you know, as if I murdered somebody. And, you, you know, the things that have happened in this league, and I won't call anyone out because we all have our, our, our set of issues, but the things that have happened in this league, I mean, that one should should be like an actual laughter kind of yeah. conversation um, because there's some bad stuff out there. And I understand things do happen, um, but uh, – you know, that mine shouldn't even really be mentioned, but I guess it's so stupid that it's relevant. Yeah. And I think that that's the case where like, you know, I don't think anyone looks at and hears that story and thinks you're a bad person or anything. It's just a unique thing. Um, do you want to tell your side of the story here or would you rather just move on? No, I mean, not really. I mean, the bottom line is the, the cops were called for somebody else. Um, and it was, uh, there were two guys in there. Um, all we were doing is, uh, our driver had to get gas and we we're in the restroom. That was it. There were six of us. It was my dad and I, two of my buddies and they had their girlfriends with them and that was it. And, um, we all went inside. There were two dudes in there. We had no idea they were, they were tackling all, all these candy bar shelves and potato chips. It was actually kind of funny, but I mean, they were just like tackling this stuff. It was a complete mess. 
And obviously I had my crazy blonde hair. Um, so I was noticeable, went to the bathroom, literally was walking out. There were no paper towels. I hit the paper towel dispenser, a piece the size of a cell phone fell off and the door was cracked. And the lady that was very unhappy with her job at the time, um, saw it and said, uh, sorry, the cops are already on their way. I'm going to let them know about you. I know you are. And, and I was like, she can't be serious after what I just saw. But those guys bolted uh, before the cops got there. So they were, she was left with getting somebody in trouble. And because I supposedly damaged their property, um, that's where that came from. And literally it was over in no time at all. And I think I had to pay like, I don't know, 250 bucks or something. And that was it. But it, it definitely wasn't worthy of national news. It's a funny story you tell your friends. Um, but, uh, you know, it wasn't funny to the people that um, wrote my paycheck. And that's what bothered me. Um, you know, I, I'm not real worried about everyone else's opinion. I never have been. But when you're playing for somebody and, um, you know, Mr. Rooney called me in his office and told me to explain it. And I told him. And I told him everything, every, every single detail, whether he wanted to hear it or not. And um, he said, oh, my son's crazier than that. You'll be fine. Just go out there and keep kicking like you're kicking. And so I thought it was done. But, you know, um, I don't know. Did that have anything to do with me getting released down the road? I don't know. Um, you, you just never know. I mean, it's a, a, lot, of, a lot of this, this league, it's, it's a business. And it's just like if you're making 100000 but I can do your job for forty then they're, you know, they're probably going to give it to me over time. Um, and unfortunately, you know, because when I was playing, there were guys that were in the league that even, even five, at least five years after me too, that were old dudes that they were just reliable. They were never going to get cut. Even if, even if they missed a lot of like Vinatieri last year, Adam's a great, great person. I've met him. He's an awesome dude, but he was struggling last year, but they weren't going to cut him. It's Adam Vinatieri, you know? They're, they're going to still hope and pray he hits a couple game winners and then, you know, do what they got to do the next season. But that's just out of respect. So I didn't, I didn't think that had anything to do with it. But then again, to this day, you just never know. And uh, it's, it's okay. I look back and I don't, I don't want to change anything that's happened in my life because I've had a lot of things happen after football that um, are rough. You know, they're rough things. Um, you know, there's, there's people out there always after you if you have any money or have any fame, um, uh, no matter who you are, because you always think it'll never happen to you until it happens. And then there's last December, I broke my back. And who, who in the hell would have ever thought um, I would be telling somebody I'd break my back? Um, and that was just doing physical therapy, trying to get in better shape, um, you know, because I had some older injuries. And, you know, so that was, that was scary. I didn't know if I was, because uh, my whole left side was numb. And it was obviously pulling on nerves. I broke my L5 vertebrae. So, you know, so it's those, it's those things like that where you look back and you're like, oh, what if, what if, what if? But we all have what ifs in our life. It doesn't matter if it's NFL or if it's just life. Uh, it could be a marriage. It could be kids. It could be elementary school. It could be you dropped out of high school. You know, we all have what ifs. So um, there's no regrets, uh, especially to something like that. Um, because, you know, you live and learn. And I've done dumber stuff than that and never got caught. So, uh, you know, we all have, it's mm -hmm. just the certain things that you think will never be an issue. It kind of became an issue. And it was just, uh, it was, it, you know, it, it sucked ultimately, but uh, all I could do was my best on that field. And, uh, all decisions made after that were out of my control. Wow. Oh, wow. Well.
no more talk about that. And by the way, get goes our sponsor. So I'm glad that, you know, it, it had to happen anywhere. And thankfully it happened out of sheets. Right. Uh, all right. But well, on, uh, I, I tried, I tried to get a, a, I tried to do some commercials for sheets a few years ago, but they weren't I, for it. They, they didn't call back. Man. Uh, yeah, you know what? That's their loss. <laughs> all right. So to get, um, uh, back on the football and I have just some more, in, uh, some kind of funnier questions here as we wrap this up. Uh, one, where did the headband, where did the hair motivation kind of come from? I mean, you're rocking the headband right now. I thought about rocking a headband as well because I, I do that. I, I'm just a big forehead guy, so I always have that on when I work out. Uh, but is that what, what you know, led to your hair decisions and the headband? What take me behind all that? Well, when I was in high school, I had a flat top, literally like a flat top, like I okay. was in the military, but I wasn't. Um, I don't know why I did that either. I had a comb over as a young boy, um, but I, the flat top was the thing that I either it was in style or I just liked it. I'm not sure which. Um, then, you know, this, this, I don't know. The headband was just me being me. It was, it was discovered. I didn't do that. I didn't do it in college. I didn't do it. I did it in the pros. I don't know what it was. It's just the easy way to fix my hair. You put that on, you poof out the back, you know, a little bit. And then you spike up the front and that's, there's no hairspray in that. That's just, that's just hair and water. So that's real easy. And it's a different look. And you know, a lot of people make fun of you for it. And a lot of people say, I, I love that. Cause that's your, per it fits you. Um, but you know, I, every summer I would shave my head and then, and then besides getting my neck trimmed and my sideburns and my, around my ears trimmed, I'd let it grow the entire season. And, uh, so that's where the hair thing came from. I, I don't know. I mean, I had a couple of crazy, crazy hair times when it was like a huge afro. And then I had, uh, of course, the blonde. And that came from, I told my teammates, because um, we were we were doing great. So we were definitely going to make the playoffs. I said, the, the second we've clinched the spot, I'm going to dye my hair like Ric Flair because I used to work for Rick. And, um, and they're like, there's no way you'll do that. And I said, well, as soon as we clinch, so we have that little asterisk next to our name that we're already in the playoffs, then uh, I'll do it. And of course that happened about two weeks later. So that's why that blonde hair came out. And that's a, I don't know how women do it, man. That's a long process, man. That was about, I was under that heater for about three and a half hours. And I was like, man, cause I wanted to do it the right way. Yeah. I didn't want to do it myself. I wanted to get it professionally done. You didn't want to do it like Eminem, you know, just in the sink or something like that. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause that'll probably end up orange and then I have no, yeah. I have no relevance. Yeah. Uh, you worked for Ric Flair. What were you doing for Ric Flair? So Ric Flair is obviously from Charlotte, North Carolina, which are where, where I live. When I was younger, I was a trainer for him. Uh, wasn't certified. I just took, he owned Ric Flair's Gold's Gyms. And, um, since then they've been replaced by Planet Fitness and stuff. Cause obviously he doesn't do that anymore. But, um, I was one of his trainers. I did, I cleaned the whole gym. Uh, people that did machines only, no free weights. I took them through how to do it properly and set their weights. And, um, you know, so I wasn't like a personal trainer, like doing CrossFit with these old ladies and old men. Um, but I would just, when they're trying to do a workout and they have questions, I was there for that. So that was when I, you know, the four horsemen and uh, Lex Luger and all these dudes were in the gym all the time. So uh, obviously I'm a huge wrestling fan because um, I wouldn't, even though I worked for Rick, uh, you kind of have to become a wrestling fan. Yeah. And I watch it every Monday and Friday and uh, some, I catch some of the uh, pay-per-views, but yeah, that's, that's when I worked for him. I worked for him for about two years, man. He was, he was a trip. That's interesting. I didn't know that about you. That's, that's really cool. All right. So this is a, this is a question. This is a trivia question for you. All right. You ready? All right. 
Okay. What do Tom Brady, Randy Moss, and Emmett Smith all have in common? Uh, you ready for the answer? Yeah, I have no idea. They all have less career tackles than Jeff Reed. You ever think there about- we go. <laughs> I want to ask you about, I think you have 19 career tackles. Um, you <laughs> talked about in high school how you did not want to get hit. Uh, what was your favorite tackle that you ever made in your pro career? Well, you have to change that mentality when you actually play the game because if you go out there scared, you will get lit up. Yeah. Um, so I did change that mentality, and I used to work out with the tight ends and linebackers. And I mean, my one of my workout partners was James Harrison for a while, and I didn't do the crazy stuff he did because I'd hurt myself. But yeah. But but I did have you know he was yelling at me and stuff, and it was motivating and and scary at the same time. But um, you know, I, I think out of those nineteen tackles, I think I got run over fourteen times. So those count as tackles, uh, or I pushed somebody out of bounds. But I, uh, we played the Ravens at home one, uh, one of the years, and I don't even know what year it was, to be honest. He was a running back that, that was um, returning kickoffs. and It was the same year that Percy Harvin was with the Vikings, and I, I held up because I thought I was going to get 15 yards, and he planted his foot about an inch from the sideline and went across the field and scored a touchdown, and I caught hell for that um, from my teammates and the media. So the next, either the next game or a few, few games down the road, uh, this guy was going towards the sideline and I was like, you know what, if he steps out and I get 15 yards, I don't care because if, if he cuts back and I, and then I pull up again, I might get cut even though you shouldn't for that because mm-hmm. it shouldn't get, it shouldn't get to the kicker, yeah. but we we're not going to go there. So anyway, so I, uh, this guy's sprinting down the sideline. He looks like he's about to go out of bounds, but he's not, he's slowing down a little bit, but he's not out of bounds. So I just, I was full sprint and hit him. Usually a kicker thinks he's low and we're still a little bit too high. I was pretty low and I hit him and he hit his head on the bench. And, uh, and I, I mean, I heard a thud and I was like, what the hell was that? Well, it was his helmet hitting the bench. And so he had a concussion and didn't come back in. And of course, Ray Rice and all those guys were giving me hell and calling me every name you can think of. But I mean, the guy wasn't out of bounds. I didn't get a penalty and that's, I mean, that was a true football hit, you know, and that guy was thinking, this guy's not going to hit me. You know, I'm, he's just going to shove me out of bounds. But I, I had learned from a few weeks prior to that, if I don't give it my all, then uh, and this guy scores, this isn't, isn't going to be good. You mentioned Steelers-Ravens. Uh, can you give me your perspective on that rivalry as someone who's been a part of many big games between those two teams? You know, uh, I think we split. Just about every year. Uh, I think one, one of the years they had Steve McNair, they beat, they beat us pretty good twice. Um, uh, but the rivalry itself, I think the Steelers may actually win both this year, which is um, pretty impressive um, because even though, um, I mean, they're, they're obviously Lamar Jackson got the MVP last year and obviously some coaches have figured him out. I mean, super athletic, but if you make him pass, you can beat him. Uh, and the Ravens, they, they – uh, they hurt themselves too much, man, and all the dumb penalties. But uh, as far as the rivalry, I have never seen – I mean, it was almost to a point where you're out there – because uh, I was a captain for two of my seasons there, and they don't even shake your hand at the coin toss. I mean, COVID didn't exist. So, you know, <laughs> you know I could, we couldn't use that as an excuse. Uh, but 
uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm out there kicking a field goal, and Ray Lewis is every every time it's whether it's extra point or field goal, he barked as loud as he can bark, like DMX. And I mean, I don't care if I was we were at Baltimore and Pittsburgh, I could hear him. And I said I would much rather you guys call me names than listen to that super loud bark. It was crazy. And, uh, you know, stuff like that, you'll, I'll never forget. I mean, other guys are probably like, hurry up and kick this field goal so we can get on the bench and get a rest. But, you know, that was my job. It was my 1.3 seconds per kick uh, fame, you know. So it was, it was what I took pride in. But the rivalry is crazy. You've seen numerous fights. Uh, you've seen uh, – there's not a whole lot of cheap shots. It's just a dirty – it's just a rough game. Mm-hmm. Um, you will see a couple – Kind of, kind of dirty things, um, but for the most part, it's just a really rough game where both teams, um, not necessarily myself, but both teams on both sides of the ball and special teams guys are limping, you know, the next couple of days and in, in recovering. So um, I guarantee they didn't wear pads this week in Pittsburgh. I don't know about Baltimore, but uh, because they already know once Thursday night hits, it's, uh, it's going to be an all-out war. Do you think – there was another Pittsburgh athlete who cheered for Pittsburgh sports harder than you did when you were in Pittsburgh. I don't think that. And it's not because it's, your, it's me you're talking about. I mean, I have season tickets to the Penguins still. Um, really disappointed I couldn't get to the games this year, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, and, and I like to sit with the fans, like the true fans. I didn't, you won't catch me in a box all the time and uh, secluded from everybody. Uh, you know, I just – I just – I like to be in the atmosphere because I'm a fan just like they are. And um, had, I had some great times at Penguins games. Went to a lot of Pirates games. Mr. Rooney blessed me with his perfect seats on uh, – well, at least to be the – it used to be first base side. I'm not sure if it's still there. But um, Pirates atmosphere was awesome. I'd sit in the stands there too. Um, it, you know, I don't – you know, and if the Riverhounds existed when I was there, I'd be in those stands. Uh, you know, I'm just – I used to go to – ton of pit basketball games, sit on the front row with my buddies that got me tickets. And, you know, I'm a Tar Heel. You know, we're not supposed to like Pitt. Um, but I would go watch Pitt, Syracuse, and, um, you know, the Big East, the UConn and Pitt. Those games are crazy. That was when the Big East was really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm a sports guy. I'm not out in public to see how many pictures I can take or uh, how many autographs I can sign, although I will. Um, I'm there because I'm truly supporting the city um, because I'm sure I've never put on a pair of uh, uh, hockey sk- ice skates um, and I've never played baseball in my life either. But those are talents that uh, I, d- I don't have, or at least I don't think I have. And um, I just enjoy, uh, I just enjoy watching people um, do, do something at a high level. One last uh, moment of your career that I want to ask you about Um a very memorable game for me as well. We talked about the the playoff game against the Jets where you had a game-winning field goal. There was another game that sticks in my mind where you had a game-winning field goal. November 27th, 2007, Monday Night Football, Steelers 3, Dolphins nothing. Do you remember that game? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I did a thing. Uh, I think the Steelers played the Dolphins on Monday night last year. Yeah. And I did Yeah, I did an ESPN uh, Mud Bowl. It was actually titled the Mud Bowl. And I didn't know that for a long time, but it's what exactly what it was. But, well, you know, it was crazy because the field was getting worn out with us and Pitt and high school playing on it. And so they were actually – the weather was supposed to be somewhat warm. Um, and 
Uh, what? Tell me the date again. It was November, right? November. Yeah, it would have been right yeah. after the Whippeal Football Championships, and I think right. they played West Virginia that weekend right. as well. Yeah. yeah, so we were we were they were replacing the field, so I was excited, and uh, and the temperature was pretty decent. And then overnight and through the day, it was a complete monsoon. And uh, when you replace, put a brand new field on top of another field that was kind of torn up, it's ten times as bad. <laughs> and uh, so. That kind of went away. Was, uh, Coach Tomlin was funny, and uh, he in pregame warmups, you know, because I did what I could. Uh, I think Jay Feely was a Dolphins kicker, and he mm-hmm. told me in pregame, he said, "I'm not kicking at all unless it's extra point." And I said, "Well, that's kind of how I feel, but I, I'm going to kick if I get an opportunity." Because at that time, I was, you know, my stats were great, and uh, Coach Tom was like, "What are you thinking?" And I said, "I said this is this is in warmups." I said, "I think uh, this game is going to be three to nothing." <laughs> and, and and I said I don't know who's going to win. I hope us. I said, but this is uh, it's hard for anyone to run in this. I mean, even if there's a fumble, it's not going to bounce very well. They're going to have to fall on it. Um, sure as hell going to be hard hard to pass. Um, so unless somebody breaks a huge run or something, we're just going to have to. I said, just if you feel comfortable sending me out there, I'll, I'm comfortable kicking. And so I try, and he said, all right, I like it. And then he walked it walked away, and then we had a 44 yarder. Uh, in, in the first half, and it was awful. Uh, it wasn't even close. I mean, it got over the line, and we had the distance, but it was way left. And But, you know, I didn't get frustrated. It just, well, I did, but it's just kind of like I kind of know going into this that this is, this is not easy. So you're going to have to find a way. And then right with 17 seconds left, you know, 27-yard field goal, um, I don't know how Ben and the offense found that spot, but most of the game had been played on the other side of the field. And uh, I mean, it was still mud, but it was, it was, it was like there was a little bit. There was there was a way you can actually plant um, without you know falling down. So, and that's why that one looked high and right down the middle because it, you know it was in a great spot. So uh, crazy enough that I, I told Coach Tom we went three to nothing. I really didn't think that. I had no idea, <laughs> but uh, we did. And um, to score the only points in the NFL game, it's got to be some kind of some kind of record somewhere. And I have to say that really matters, but, um, but yeah, I did a, I did a mud bowl thing. I can, uh, if I can find it, I can send it to you if you didn't see it last year on ESPN. That'd be great. It was, I don't... Yeah. It was, it was, Brett Kiesel was on it and um, I forgot who else, but it was pretty funny. That'd be great. Uh, Jeff, that's all I got. Um, what are you up to now? What are you doing now? Well, as I said, I'm, uh, I've been out of work since uh, December of 2017. I used to be in the, uh, car business. I was a finance director at a huge dealership. Learned a lot. Um, uh, I'll never get ripped off on a car again. I can tell you that. That's um, good. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, before that, I just, you know, I just didn't want to, I, I didn't want to sit here at a dealership for four hours and, you know, have to write a check or, or if, you know, get, you know, do all this stuff and get my, see if we can get the payments done for hours and hours. So I didn't care. Uh, now I realize that, you know, I lost a lot somewhere, <laughs> but, um, so I did that. And then I was just, uh, pretty much an, un- it was an unhealthy lifestyle. You know, I, uh, I worked about 75, 80 hours a week and, um, did you make good money? Yeah. But gained weight, had a bad back, um, injuries and, you know, joints and everything started hurting worse. Cause you sit down all day and uh, I had to get out of it. So, you know, I don't, I don't do, I mean, I, I do some stuff, um, but, you know, I'm more of doing physical therapy stuff because um, any kind of – I've had four surgeries, but, um, you, you know, and they bother me at times, of course. But 
uh, when you break your back, uh, it's, it's something that, you know, I don't have a wife, I don't have a girlfriend, I don't have kids. And one day I, I hope I do. And I don't want to be in a wheelchair um, if and when that happens. So, um, you know, so I, I'm doing more of physical therapy type things on my own. I learned a lot. I went to a couple of doctors and still see them and they give me some exercises and I'm just trying to be as healthy as I can. I mean, I know this year has been crazy for everybody in one way or another, whether you're rich, poor or uh, single or uh, married, it, it doesn't matter. It's been crazy for everybody. Uh, if we can all pull through this, uh, we can pull through anything. Um, but ultimately, you know, I'm just trying to get and stay healthier. And um, uh, because, like I said, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't, it's not like I'm killing it and making tens of thousands of dollars a month. I'm not, um, you know, but I've had to find a way to take care of myself um, before I'm worried about a paycheck. Fair enough. Well, for everyone listening, be sure to follow Jeff on social media. His Twitter is at the real Jeff Reed and Instagram is at the underscore real underscore Jeff underscore Reed. That's why I was looking at my phone. I wasn't ignoring you. I got to give you a little shout out there on social media before we wrap this up. No, Jeff, that's good. All right, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I know a lot of people will enjoy it. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Anything else you need, let me know.